While we were marching through Georgia, everybody swing your honey, swing your high and low. The Alaman left for the old left hand, around the ring you go. A grand old right to left walk on your heel and toe. Promenade that pretty gal to Georgia. This is a moving through Georgia extra for the 4th of July. Three men represented Georgia at the Continental Congress, and those three men signed the Declaration of Independence. They were George Walton, Lyman Hall, and Button Gwinnett. That's what we're talking about today, three Georgians who signed the Declaration of Independence. George Walton lost his parents at an early age. He was cared for and later apprenticed to a local carpenter who was probably his uncle. The boy showed promise, however, and he was released from his apprenticeship to attend school. Walton attended law school in Savannah and was also a member of one of those councils of safety that Joseph Habersham was involved with. He seems to lean more towards the diplomacy and organizational side of committee work rather than the board the ship and steal the guns kind of work that earned Habersham his own podcast episode. Everyone has their part to play. He signed the Declaration of Independence on August 2nd, 1776. As a side note, it's possible that nobody signed the document on July 4th. There are some notes from the Continental Congress that mention a July 19th order to write the Declaration onto parchment, and another note saying that the parchment copy was received and signed on August 2nd. There also may have been copies that were signed on different days. It's a minor point, and after 200 plus years, what's a few weeks more or less? You may remember episode 5 about Joseph Habersham. One of Habersham's adventures was acting as the second for Button Gwinnett in his duel against Lachlan McIntosh. Both men fired at each other and both suffered wounds in the leg, the difference being that Gwinnett's wound became gangrenous and he died three days later. George Walton had issues with McIntosh as well. In 1780, a letter was delivered to Congress in Philadelphia recommending that McIntosh be removed from his command due to disfactory service. It was signed by Speaker of the House William Glasscock, who denied any knowledge of the letter and declared it to be a forgery. Unfortunately, he didn't know about the letter until McIntosh was removed from command in Georgia and eventually confronted Glasscock with the document. It would be nearly three years before McIntosh's name was cleared and he was again in good standing with the army. The Georgia Assembly and a few grand juries looked into the affair and felt that Walton should be indicted or at least investigated. McIntosh's son even assaulted Walton on the street. Finally, the Georgia Assembly ordered the Attorney General to begin legal proceedings against Walton, but he didn't do it. There was no point. The Assembly had elected a new Chief Justice just the day before, and it was that Chief Justice who would preside over any legal procedures involving George Walton. Who was the new Chief Justice? None other than George Walton. And that pretty much ended the investigation. Overall, Walton had a distinguished career as a leader for the state of Georgia. He was elected governor twice and served as a United States Senator, ending his career as a judge of the Superior Court. 
During his second term as governor, the state adopted a new constitution, established the state capital at Augusta, and settled some potentially volatile negotiations with the Creek and Cherokee people. Walton County is located just east of Gwinnett County. Lyman Hall was a clergyman and eventually studied medicine to become a doctor. He was born in Connecticut and graduated from Yale. Hall was appointed pastor of a church in Connecticut, but was dismissed from his post for some offense of moral character. He apparently confessed to this vague breach of morality and sincerely repented, enough to be accepted back into the church. That seems to be just about the only scandal involved with Lyman Hall, and even that isn't much. He eventually was involved with a group of Congregationalists who had decided to move to South Carolina and then Georgia to bring religion to the South. This is a theme we may pick up later when discussing the motives and the means for Congregationalists to move to Havisham County. Hall opened a medical practice in Sunbury on the Georgia coast. His parish sent him to Philadelphia as part of the Continental Congress where he signed the Declaration of Independence. I'm not sure what day he signed it. While he was in Philadelphia, the British put Sunbury to the torch and Hall's family evacuated and met him up north. Eventually, he returned to Georgia, this time to Savannah, and was elected governor of Georgia. So did Button Gwinnett and George Walton. As governor, he was instrumental in establishing the University of Georgia. Now, if you read a short biography of just about anyone from Georgia at this time, it will say that they established the University of Georgia. As a matter of fact, it says so on Joseph Habersham's roadside marker. However, Lyman Hall was a lover of learning, and his actions to establish the university are pretty well documented. Now, of course, this was a process that took a long time and took a lot of effort from a lot of people. However, I do believe that Lyman Hall deserves the lion's share of the credit. Afterwards, he did spend some time as a judge in Chatham County, but then he left public service to maintain his business interests. Hall County took his name in 1818. Button Gwinnett was born in England in 1735. He started his career as a merchant, and in 1762, when he was 27 years old, he and his wife moved to America. He was involved in several business interests between Canada and Jamaica and never really made a great go of it. At one point, he took out a very large loan to buy St. Catherine's Island and establish a plantation. Being a prominent landowner would open the door to a possible career in politics, and I think this is where Button Gwinnett really found his place. He signed the Declaration of Independence as part of the Continental Congress and hoped for a position as a general in the Continental Army, but that position was lost out to our old friend Lachlan McIntosh. I'm looking at the New Georgia Encyclopedia here. In 1777, Button Gwinnett was in charge of the Council for Safety. We've heard of this before. When George McIntosh, Lackland's brother, opposed Gwinnett's election to that position, Gwinnett had him arrested and charged with treason. Events came to a head when Lackland McIntosh was ordered to lead an attack against British troops in Florida. 
Gwinnett said the attack was critical in order to protect Georgia's southern border, but McIntosh didn't agree. The entire expedition was a failure and it was a black eye for McIntosh's command. Tempers flared and insults were passed back and forth. Eventually, both men agreed to a duel. And we've already discussed that McIntosh was the only one to survive this duel. McIntosh lived until 1806 and was never charged with the death of Button Gwinnett. When you read about Gwinnett, especially online, you read a lot about his autograph. Apparently, it is a goal of autograph collectors to collect one signature from every signer of the Declaration of Independence. However, Button Gwinnett's is one of the rarer signatures and is harder to find. His name was given to Gwinnett County in 1813. This was a Moving Through Georgia Extra. I hope you have a wonderful 4th of July. And we will continue releasing episodes on Sundays. That's all.